Welcome to the Wine and Gold Talk podcast on a Tuesday, a little bit more than 48 hours ahead of the NBA trade deadline, which is Thursday afternoon at 3 o'clock. A lot of conversation, a lot of rumors about what the Cavs are going to do, what they can't do based on the situation that they're in, what this trade deadline means for LeBron's future. It's Chris Fedor and Joe Varden with you to discuss all of that. Hey, buddy, how are you? Well, um, I hate people who on Twitter or Facebook post pictures of their feet uh, <laughs> in sand or on a beach or like somewhere to show you that their feet, they're somewhere where it's so warm that their feet are new uh, I hate that. So I won't do that to anyone. Um, but I'll just mention that I could. Well, did you go to Disney yesterday? Well, yeah, of course. I mean, um, Man. you know, the, uh, traveling with us on the seat is, uh, is an ESPN employee who uh, gets into Disney for free and can bring anybody he wants with him into the park for free. So, um, yeah, so we did a little Disney. Uh, you know, we had practice, of course. That's very important practice yesterday here in Orlando. Um, we've been to Orlando so many times uh, this season. This is this is the third. No, wait a minute. Maybe it's the third time. Yeah, it's the third time we've been to Orlando. But you know, it's still only February. That's that's a lot. We were just here in January, and we were here for four days in January. Um, and it's to the point now where like you don't even need the GPS place where they practice. Yeah. Uh, you know, they practice at this, um, basically this volleyball school. And, uh, like, the, you know, you don't even need to to, uh, to look for it. Um, and it's just funny, I mean, you know, kind of diving into what everybody wants to talk about today. Uh, but, you know, we, we had shoot-around this morning. Uh-huh. And uh, we, we did talk to Ty, um, but we honestly, we didn't even ask LeBron anything. Because, you know, we talked to him yesterday, mm-hmm. and, and, and the bottom line is, there's really not much else to say about this team yeah. um, until the trade deadline comes. Um, this this team is broken. Uh, this this team is fundamentally flawed. Um, and, and LeBron's not playing well either. And all of these items have been covered. <laughs> like you know, there's nothing else. There's nothing else we can say. Yeah. Really. Um. You know, we all just kind of need to see what happens at the trade deadline, and then recalibrate from there. So it was a very quiet, very quick uh, shoot around session this morning. Okay, you keep going in and out. What are you doing right now? Well, I mean, I'm just sitting. I'm sitting here on a on a chair. Are you, like, moving the phone close to your mouth and then away from your mouth? What are you doing? Oh, that, that could be. Uh, that, that, that could be. Okay, that could be was, that sounded really good. So if you Okay, could, right here. Yeah, um, right there. That's really, really good. Okay, so you mentioned that, that the team is broken. Um, and I wrote the other night that it just doesn't seem like they have a lot of answers internally. Um, do you believe that the organization feels that same way? Because Ty said yesterday... I mean, we've gone from championship contending Cavs, best team in the Eastern Conference, to, oh yeah, we think we can still make the playoffs. Yeah, I mean, like th- that was my line of questioning um, 
and and it stems from just the, the uh, two things. Um, six and twelve. Yep. Christmas is is not a trajectory to make the playoffs. It just isn't. Um, and then secondly, last year they were up four games on Boston for number one, for the for the one seed and blew that in 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 a month. Mm-hmm. So you know that the 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 current course of things that you know. If things remain as they've been going, they actually won't make the playoffs. Um, you know, n- nobody thinks that, that this will continue. Right. Um, we all think that, that something will break, and, and, you know, I can use that to answer your question. Um, but but the, the truth is, the way things are right now is not, it, it's not a sustainable path to, to make the postseason. Um so, you know, one of three things is going to happen here. Okay. Um, one, they do something. Yep. Uh, and I'm sure we'll spend a lot of time today talking about that. But they do something at the trade deadline. Uh-huh. The second thing is that LeBron ends this, you know, uh, people are, his, his effort is being called into question. Um, right. it, it, it is na- nationally and certainly we locally have been pointing out that his production is not the same. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I have, you know, he didn't do anything defensively the other night, but nobody did. Um, you know, I, I don't, when his shooting percentages are so dramatically different than they were those first couple months when he was playing MVP ball, I, I wonder how much you can say that is effort. So mm-hmm. that's, that's why I'm a little, little hesitant say, oh, he's just not, you know, he's just not trying, and that's, because he's shooting, you know, he, I mean, he's, he's shooting like 10 percentage points worse from the field, um, 20 something worse from three, Oof. and 10 worse from the line, so that, that's, that's the second thing, and then the third thing that can happen is that they don't make a move, um, and, and Ty decides to take this into his own hands and play the players he has on this team that can get them to the playoffs okay. uh, and can set them up. Um, th- this team showed that at minimum they can beat the bad team and they can beat all the teams in the East, all of them, um, by playing you know fewer guys, by playing system guys, by relying on LeBron, um, and running everything through him, and and making enough shots that gives them a chance to play defense. You know, like mm-hmm. people talk about how um, well when they won eighteen out of nineteen, the schedule was so crappy. And okay, that's fine. Except they beat the Wizards there, who are now tied for them, mm-hmm. tied with them for third in the East. Um, you know, they beat Boston on opening night. They came back. 27 down to beat the Knicks in that stretch. They beat the Pistons. Uh, they killed the Pistons uh, during that stretch. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm trying to think who else because it's, it's been a little while. But but there there were you know they they lost by four to the Rockets right before that stretch. Right and you know the Rockets are um, I mean awesome and and the Cavs are right there. So they so, beat so Philly. They, they, can, they beat Philly in there. Yeah, they beat Philly, right? Thank you. That's another one. Yeah. Like, so, so they can do it. 
like, oh, yeah, they beat the Bucks. They get Milwaukee a couple times. Like, so, so they can do this. Um, but it would, it would take Ty having to really offend some people uh, to, to get there. You know, like it would take benching Isaiah Thomas. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it would take, you know, I, <laughs> I mean, we, you start there. Um, and then you kind of go down the list, like, well, where are the other problems? Like, how much is Jay Crowder still hurting you? Like, he's been playing a little better. Um, but, you know, JR, after those two hot games, has kind of disappeared again. I mean, go down the list. Like, the, the, the point is, there are there's enough talent to, you know, wrap this thing up, like, you know, tighten things up and get going uh, in the right direction. But Ty has to do it. Yeah. Um, what they're doing right now, as I've said now three times, is just not, it's not sustainable. And it's, I don't know that it's going to get better. Do you have a theory on why you think LeBron's effort and intensity and energy have all waned here in January? Because, look, January was really, really bad for the Cavs. And a lot of people pointed to Isaiah Thomas coming back. And I think it's fair. There are some obvious limitations that the Cavs have when Isaiah's on the court. And his fit with this team is one that I think it's worth questioning, both offensively and defensively. And I think it's very, very difficult for the defense as a whole to be respectable with him playing high minutes. So saying all those things, another big reason why the Cavs were so bad in January, Joe, is because this team was built on LeBron being an MVP and LeBron erasing so many mistakes. And if he's not super LeBron, if he's not MVP LeBron, especially after they traded away Kyrie Irving, his running mate, it's going to be really difficult for the Cavs to pile up wins in the short term. Um, So just like Isaiah had a huge hand in the Cavs' terrible January, and I think everybody would admit that, LeBron not playing up to his own standards makes it very difficult for this team to win games. Oh, yeah. I mean, huge. Huge. Like, it's... Exactly. Uh, there's no doubt about that. And then you just say, you, you try to figure out, well, what is the root of this? Because LeBron's crappy numbers actually go back to the Golden State game, mm-hmm. um, which is three full games before we even saw Isaiah. Um, he wasn't very good against the Warriors. He was bad against the Kings. Um, he was better against Utah, but they still lost uh, on his birthday. Um, he was just, he wasn't very good, and and um, you know, and then in January, I mean, it, it was clear that they were uh, trying to work Isaiah in, and Isaiah was taking a ton of shots, and it um, kind of deflated everybody else. And mm-hmm. I think at the beginning it was that it was well, you know, let's, let's get Isaiah worked in here, and then when it, when that experiment wasn't working out, I think it kind of zapped LeBron. Um, and I just don't think he's in a good place right now as far as his attitude and, you know, just his feelings on the direction of the team. And he he is going to need to recalibrate um, like he did the first year they went to the finals mm-hmm. uh, out of this run. You know, he took two full weeks away and he was banged up, but he wasn't, if, if, all, if all other things were equal, like he didn't, you know, he, he could have... Um, he, he could have been around more. He could have. He may not have needed to be gone that long, mm-hmm. um, you know. But he like he, he separated himself from the team to get his mind right. Um, if this weren't the All Star break coming up and they don't make any moves, um, I, I could almost see something like that. Like he would need 
he would need to clear his mind to come back and make one more run with the team. So the trade deadline is a little more than 48 hours away, and that's something that you mentioned recalibrating. That's something that can give new life to this locker room or allow them to have some fresh air, I guess. Um, even if it's a small move, um, just just newness, I think, might be good for this team, no question. So um, going into the trade deadline, understanding that things change quickly in the NBA and what looks like it could be now might be different on Thursday when there's an actual deadline and teams are up against the clock. Um, do you get the sense uh, that there is a move out there that the Cavs uh, can make um, to improve this team and will make to improve this team? Well, I, I feel like we've spent a lot of time over the last several weeks talking about moves they could make right. to to improve things. Um, you know, I think on here and then also uh, in print, uh, I've mentioned the idea of Kemba and Batum, which mm. everybody agrees would be a great trade for the Cavs. I agree. If they could pull that off. Sure. Um, but Charlotte is is playing, you know, they're, they're winning uh, mm. some games and, and aren't, you know, I don't think they're that far out of, out of the eighth seed. And I don't know, um, you know, Batum has been great over the last two weeks. It's still, it's an outrageous contract and the, the Hornets have all kinds of salary issues moving forward. Um, but I don't know. I, you know, I don't know how motivated they're going to be to take what the Cavs are offering. Um, if the Cavs would include the Brooklyn pick, maybe, and that is something I would do. Um, I, I don't. I am beginning to wonder that they will do something um, that dramatically, you know, that, that that really gives them a chance. Mm-hmm. You haven't heard much about DeAndre Jordan lately. Um, you know, they've they've gotten way away from the George Hill stuff. Uh, which, you know, could always come back and but they can still do it, but they've gotten away from that. And I don't know that I don't know that DeAndre Jordan or George Hill helps them um, long term, but, but but yeah, I mean I think they've almost reached the point where anything they do is probably a net positive because it just freshens up the room. Yeah. Um, and so whatever, you know, what but It'll be interesting to see. I mean, it it doesn't seem like um, anything is imminent right now. I mean, as you as we all know, things change so quickly. Like by the time they, you post this podcast, who knows <laughs> what, what 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 will have happened? But yeah. um, you know, it doesn't seem like there's anything like there's anything on the front burner right now uh, for, for this team. And you know, we didn't see it coming when they traded for Kyle Korver. Um, we didn't, I didn't see the Channing move coming two years ago. Mm. Uh, those are all grit moves. Um, you know, we're looking to see what Kobe's got here, um, and, and what direction Dan wants, wants Kobe to take the franchise. So we're going to learn a lot during the next 48 hours. For sure. How much different do you think, and this might be very difficult to quantify, um, but, but it's a question that I think a lot of fans are asking at the moment, Joe. Um, given the way that things have gone the wrong way for the Cavs completely, they're 12-14 and 14 against teams with a record of 500 or above. There's a not a lot on their resume that points to legitimate championship contender other than the name Cleveland Cavaliers and other than the fact that nobody wants to bet against LeBron because of how great he can be in a series. Yep. Um, 
How different do you think things would be this year for the Cavs if David Griffin were still around as general manager instead of Kobe Altman? And it's, it's not necessarily anything against Kobe. He's in a very difficult spot. He's a first-time general manager thrown into the fire on a team that is trying to win now, and there are more expectations and more pressure here than probably anywhere else aside from Golden State, maybe. Um, but but David Griffin had experience, and he was a guy who put out fires in the locker room. So how much do you think things would be different with him? Well, and this is, um, I mean, I want to say at the jump here, this is not an indictment of Kobe. Like, what I'm about to say is, you know, oh, okay. I mean, he, he was born when he was born. Uh, he can't control that. Um, he was given this job with the resume that he had. He can't control that. Um, so that, none, of this, none of what I'm about to say is on him. Mm-hmm. Um, but but leave, setting aside, like, the, the roster uh, magic that, that, that Griff was able to pull up over the last three years, there is nobody, no one, in the front office no one who can go to Ty Lue and tell him that he's not doing what he's supposed to be doing. Mm-hmm. And there's no one who can go to LeBron and say the same thing. No one. But they don't have it. Uh, you know, Kobe's 35. Um, he doesn't have that much NBA experience. You know, um, he obviously didn't hire any of these guys. Uh, you know, he, 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 was a, he was a mid-level um, front office executive. Uh, on this team, like, you know, third in command, basically, um, third or fourth, whatever. And, and now he's, he's number one. And in addition to the roster stuff, like, you know, there's, like, Ty's lineup has been pretty bad at times. Mm-hmm. We've talked about that. Like, you know, the, Griff would have been able to go in there and, and, and say to Ty, um, you know, you need to, you need to snap out of it. Uh, you need you need to, to get it together here and, and get tighter. Um, and then with this stuff that LeBron's pulling right now, like th- there have been times, like for instance, you know, two years ago when I reported um, that LeBron was actually reprimanded by by Griff mm-hmm. and Ty for uh, the nonsense in Miami where he was screwing around with Dwayne while they were getting beat by twenty, and then you know on the heels of that, the uh, the the Bleacher Report story came out where LeBron was openly talking about Team Banana Boat, and he was pulling all that stuff on Twitter, and, and finally, like, Griff, like, called him in and said, no more of this. Yep. Um, this needs to stop, and LeBron said, okay. He got mad and unfollowed them on Twitter, but he, he went <laughs> off. Like, he just totally, he went he went off. Like, he, like, his last two weeks were insane, and they went to the finals, and they won it. Yeah. Um, and, and so... When, by putting in a guy like like Kobe, um, they don't have that now. Like even if they had brought if if uh, if if Chauncey Billups had gotten this job, like mm-hmm. he's Ty's close friend, but he was you know he's a however many time All Star, a former champion player. Um, he could have he could have addressed things with Ty, and he would have carried uh, he would have demanded some level of respect from LeBron. Gotcha. Um, but. Right now, they just don't have that, and it's, it's obvious. All right, so if we talk about the trade deadline, a uh, little more than 48 hours away, um, I, I tweeted just moments ago, every kind of fake trade that I can come up with for the Cavs, Joe, it leads to some kind of roadblock. 
It's either the Cavs taking a not-so-great contract back, giving a team that wants to clear cap room a hindering salary, because that's really a lot of what the Cavs have on their own books, or not finding a player worth the Brooklyn pick. So let's start with the Brooklyn pick. Um, I get the sense that the Cavs would trade it for the right guy, but I don't think the right guy exists in this market. Like, I can't find a target for for that Nets pick. DeMarcus Cousins is hurt, um, and New Orleans probably wasn't going to trade him anyway. The Thunder are one of the best teams in the NBA, so the Cavs banking on Paul George being available at the trade deadline, that's probably not um, logical. Uh, DeAndre Jordan's not worth it to me. Um, he might be to you, but but to me, he's not. Um, people have started to talk about C.J. McCollum. Uh, I don't know really what that does for Portland, unless maybe the Cavs tossing Kevin Love and the Brooklyn pick, and that's not something that improves the Cavs, in my opinion. So I just continue to have a hard time finding the fit for the Brooklyn pick of, of what the Cavs would want back in return, unless it's Kemba, and you brought up Kemba, but my problem there is, like, the Hornets have said their two goals with even listening to offers involving Kemba are to get an all-star back in return and to clear up salary cap space. Like, take Batum's bad contract from us, take Marvin Williams' bad contract from us, maybe Dwight Howard's terrible contract, one of those, and give us an all-star. And and I keep looking at it, Joe, and the only way that the Cavs could make it work financially if they try and get Kemba is giving a bad contract back to Charlotte in return. Yeah. So if the goal is to get rid of bad contracts, I don't know how the Cavs giving either J.R. Smith or Tristan Thompson in that deal just to make the salaries match, along with the Brooklyn pick, I don't know how that meets the demand for Charlotte at this point. Well, it certainly doesn't meet the all-star component. Yeah, they don't have that either. Just because you can't, like... I... Uh, just with, with poor Isaiah, it's, you know, I mean, it's 13 games now. It's more than a month. It doesn't look good. Yeah. Um, so it's hard to say that, that he's your all-star in, the, in that deal. Um, but, I mean, he does have the, the, res, the all-star resume. Um, he could he could get healthy and, and reach that potential again. And he has an expiring contract, which is great. Mm-hmm. Um, it's great. So I would argue a little bit on the JR versus Batum thing because Batum is signed long term. Right. JR only has one more year guaranteed. Um, and it's, I forget the number. It's like 14, maybe 13, 14. Um, but that's, that's not terrible. Like, you know, Batum has, has several years right. left on his deal and it's a, it's a lucrative deal. So, um, you know, the, the free agent class of 19 is supposed to be a big deal. Um, you can get out from under JR's contract at that point. So it, it, it and, and I don't know. I mean, you haven't heard much, um, you haven't really heard much about talks between the Cavs and the Hornets on this. I mean, the, the Cavs may have offered it and the Hornets may have said no already. I'm not sure, but mm-hmm. I, I think it's close. Um, I, I think that would be the one, the, the one that you can do, um, I love CJ McCollum, and and you know the the Cavs are telling teams that they would trade the Brooklyn pick for somebody that they can control, right? Uh, for a young player with a side they can, that they can control, and I think McCollum fits that. Right. But Portland, right? I mean, 
they know they have no chance in the West. Um, they, they know that as constructed. They had a terrible loss on Sunday to Boston without Kyrie. Mm-hmm. Um, and so you wonder if they would be enticed to go in a different direction, um, take the Brooklyn pick. Um, you know, I, I don't know about Kevin. I, I don't know about that, that component of it. But yeah, I mean, you know, he would give them a different look. He would give them, um, what they lost with Marcus Aldridge, uh, to, to some degree, you know, right. as far as a, a gifted big. So, and, and, and I don't know, like, I think Kevin Love has had pretty much a, a, a great year, and sure. I think he's been a really important part of the team. Yes. Um, it, I, he, I mean, obviously he's got issues in this locker room, too. Um, and so I'm not, I don't know that moving on from him at this point, I don't, I don't know that that hurts the cap anymore. Um, you know, he's not even going to be able to play until there's two weeks left. Who knows where this team is going to be in the standings at that point. They need him as constructed if they need him desperately in the playoffs. But mm. if they change the team in other ways, um, maybe not. So I would think of those two. I looked at last year and when the Stars got traded. You know, Chris Paul was June... Jimmy Butler, Paul George, same thing. So stars often get traded around draft time. Um, I think if the Cavs were to hang on to the Brooklyn pick through the trade market here, um, maybe they're in line for the next disgruntled star in June. Like if Portland decides, hey, um, we didn't make the playoffs this year for whatever reason because New Orleans got one of those final spots or maybe the Denver Nuggets beat them out for that final spot. And Portland has more time to reassess things in the summer, right? And they have those exit meetings that are always important following the season. Then maybe you have a disgruntled star pop available. Maybe it's Lillard. Maybe it's C.J. McCollum. Again, last year it was Jimmy Butler, Chris Paul, and Paul George. Um, Because of how quick things can change after exit meetings where you actually have a chance to sit down and assess where you ultimately want to go. Um, maybe the timeline would be a little bit too tight in terms of LeBron James and keeping him around. And maybe by then he has made up his mind. But but I think holding on to the Brooklyn pick seems really smart from the standpoint of stars usually get traded um, in the summertime around the time of the draft when there's an actual value and a number attached to that particular pick. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And that that is something that the Cavs privately... Um, have discussed with some people is just that uh, that pick has that pick is valuable as a trade piece, not just in in this season, but all the way up until the moment they make it. Yeah. Um. And so, so you're exactly right. But when you when you throw LeBron into the equation, right? They would they would have to if if that is the direction they choose to go, they they would have to have a sit down with him within the next forty eight hours and explain that. Yeah. Um. Because he's going to lose it. I'm telling you, he is going to lose his mind when if they don't do anything. Um, it, it's going to be a really big blow to him, I think, um, and his spirit and his psyche. And and um, boy, <laughs> so if if that is their actual plan, that they yeah. would have to communicate that to him. At the same time, the good news is the Cavs have their own first-round pick. And that doesn't seem like it's incredibly valuable because it's probably going to be between, what, like 25 and 30, 24 and 30, something like that. Um, but it seems... Right? You think? 
You think it's going to be that good? Yeah. Or that, that, that bad, I mean? Like, you know, if it was today, okay, I guess. Um, you know, they, they're, they own the tiebreaker in terms of standings with Washington. So right. I think that they have what? Like, right now they have, like, the sixth best record in the league. In the right league? Now. Let's see. Yeah. In the league, it's one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. Yeah. And percentage points from being eighth. Yeah. So, so right now, yeah. um, that's the twenty third pick. Right. Um, if they don't do anything, guys, it, like, <laughs> uh, <laughs> you know, like, I, I mean, it, it, it'd be a coup um, to to finish third. I think. Yeah. So. I mean, that's a good point, too, because Kevin's going to be out for a long time here um, towards yeah. the end of the regular season. Um, and without him, their offense can't be elite, and we know that their defense can't win them games consistently. So you might be right about that. I, I thought I, I was surprised. Um, I was surprised by the reaction and attitude of, uh, of Ty and LeBron yesterday about this question. Um you know, I, I believe they have reached a point where they would they should be saying something along the lines of, "We can't take anything for granted. We mm-hmm. need to play better to turn around, turn this thing around." Uh, and so, just to blanketly say, "Oh yeah, we're you know making the playoffs isn't a problem." Like, okay, um, <laughs> okay. Well, the good news is they have that first round pick. So, so you think that's going to have some kind of value here? So, sure. And it seems like the, the teams that, that have these players that they're looking to move off of, whether it's the Clippers with Lou Williams or Memphis with Tyreek Evans or the Clippers with Avery Bradley or maybe the Utah Jazz with Rodney Hood. I'm probably forgetting some of the players. There are so many rumors. A Boston with Marcus Smart, whatever the case may be. It just seems like every team right now, Joe, is asking for the same thing. They either want a first-round pick from a team, and that's what Miritich went for, or they want salary cap relief somehow, some way. So expiring yeah. contracts along with that. Because nobody wants to take on money because of everything that's going on with the salary cap right now and so many teams in the luxury tax. More teams in the luxury tax than the luxury tax was designed to have. Um, so given those things, it seems like the Cavs can offer at least their first-round pick and make them competitive in some of these deals and if not that, maybe Isaiah's expiring contract, Channing Fry's expiring contract. So moves around this roster, I think, are still possible. I just, I just don't know that they're going to be significant. But any any one of those players that you name um, mm-hmm. is certainly worth their their their, their own pick. And, I agree, uh, and would be um, huge. Uh, would be dramatic uh, improvement and, and upgrades. I mean. Lou Williams on this team, you know, he can fill it up. That'd be great. Uh, Avery Bradley, you know, he's got legal issues. He, he wasn't having a great year in Detroit anyway. Mm-hmm. He's had a groin problem. He'd probably be the one that I would stay away from the most out of those three. Okay. Um, and then, you know, Tyreek Evans would be great. That, that, that'd be a really nice, that'd be a nice move. What do you think about Jordan Clarkson? That's a name that continues to come up. He's got more size at the guard spot than obviously what you have right now. Well, totally unproven. Um, obviously, never smelled a playoff game uh, in his brief career. Um, 
but athletic. Mm-hmm. Uh, would probably play better with LeBron than he plays now. Um, they need his athleticism. That's something they sorely lack. So, I mean, you said it, Chris. You said it at the top of this. They're probably in a place where they need to do something just to switch up the room. Yeah. So almost any trade they make can't be bad. So if we're talking about trying to make a significant move, and, and they probably don't have the pieces to do something quote-unquote significant that's going to move the needle a ton, that's going to make people think, okay, championship contender again, they can compete with Golden State, Houston. If they can't make that addition, um, if they can't get Kemba Walker, let's say, um, do you think, I don't want to put this the wrong way and be unfair to somebody, but do you think there's a subtraction that they can make from the roster that has uh, some kind of impact similar to the impact that a guy like Kemba could have if the Cavs traded away the Brooklyn pick. Is that fair? <laughs> I'm going to pull a tie and say I forgot. <laughs> I, don't, I can't. I'm not answer that question. I mean, <laughs> no, yeah, but here, this is my, here's a question I have for you. Okay. Um, when they played the Warriors on Christmas, and yeah. Yeah, like I know that it's just out there, when they played the Warriors on Christmas, they had just won 18 out of 19. Um, none of these problems had become apparent yet. Where did you think they were um, trying to measure up to the to the to the Celtics, Warriors, and Rockets? I've always felt like um, coming into this year that the Cavs belonged behind Golden State and behind Houston. Um, and and I thought that it was going to take them doing something significant, whether it was a, a subtraction, which you forgot at this point, <laughs> or some kind of addition to put them on their level. Like, I felt like coming into this year that Golden State was on its own level, then Houston was on a level of its own, and then there was the next tier of teams in the NBA, and that included the Cavs, the Oklahoma City Thunder, Boston before Gordon Hayward went down, um, and maybe Toronto. Okay. So that's how I felt about them coming into the year, and that's how I felt about them going into Christmas. Like, I feel like I've tried to look at everything from, if if they're in a seven-game series, how does this work out for them? I, I know that I thought um, that they were, at that time, I thought that, they, that the Cavs looked really good. I thought that they were in a good position, in a good place, mm-hmm. um, to certainly to get back to the finals. And then, um, as we had said, I think on this podcast, and other like to maybe win two games against the Warriors yeah. instead of instead of one. So I thought they were really strong. Um, but I have to admit, it's because I thought they're playing playing well as constructed, and that Isaiah would. Um, that, that Isaiah would be a net gain, that mm-hmm. he would be a positive addition. And um, that turned out to be, at least so far, you know, woefully incorrect. Um, so th- th- that is, that, this conversation goes back to what we were talking about at the top, like, with the, the third thing, which is, could Ty unlock this roster? Mm-hmm. Um, and I still, I do wonder if he can. Like, I, I want, like, I, I'm, I half believe that, that he could um, to, to get them back to being way better. But 
you know, I think everybody is just, yeah, I mean, everybody first is waiting to see if if they can try to make any of these moves. Because, um, you know, the other thing is at that time, the Cavs were, were okay, were good in the locker room. Mm-hmm. You know, they were, the grumbling started right then. Right. After Golden State and Sacramento about maybe LeBron holding on to the ball too long. Um, but, you know, then, then they all went to Napa. And for the most part, everybody had a really good time together. And so, you know, the the, the, the dramatic locker room problems that they have now weren't there then either. So this thing has turned really sour quickly. And um, while acknowledging the schedule being much more difficult, um, I still think that they um, – I still think that there, there are ingredients here. Uh, but it just – it would take – it would take Ty doing something that he has shown so far that he doesn't want to do. If that was the solution, if they felt like, okay, our our best solution is internal um, and Ty unlocking the roster with different lineup combinations, um, a new way to define roles for certain guys, is that something that you think um, LeBron would be happy enough with in the short term? And and just the layer of LeBron and his free agency coming up, what does that add to the Cavs at the trade deadline, do you think? Uh, I don't feel, and, and they can prove us wrong by what they do in the next 48 hours. Right. They, they could swing a corner-esque deal that no one saw coming that is going to shock everybody, but they haven't. They haven't done that yet. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't sound like they are. So I don't feel like they are approaching this free agency, like, oh my god, we're going to lose LeBron, what are we doing? Like, what are we going to do to, to fix that? Okay. I, I, it feels like they're, like, content to do this standoff with him. Um, that, you know, we're not going to mortgage the future if you won't commit to the future, which I totally, totally disagree with that, 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 um, that line of, of thinking. I guess that's a different conversation, but they're just that that appears to be the thing. I mean, you know, they don't want to take on new money. They don't want to trade this pick unless, you know, they're getting something that really is unrealistic. Like that, that seems to be it. Cause I don't, I don't think that they're approaching, approaching it based on LeBron. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, LeBron obviously wants to see that commitment to, to winning like the, the commitment um, to always, improving and to always trying to win and and this is a sticky subject because no one has spent more money than exactly. Dan Gilbert. No one. Right. No one. And so Dan can rightfully say, Listen, I've I've put the money down. You you have to win. Yep. Um and LeBron can say correctly that uh yes you've spent this money but you have also made this roster decision in the middle and back end of your roster the last two years um to save money. Mm-hmm. That's what you have done. And said that you wouldn't do that and now we're at the trade deadline and you're not taking on new money you're not trying to help us win um so it's it's uh, a couple of valid points there (laughs) i think that's the hard thing too when you when you have this right i think i think the goal for everybody in the organization is to win a championship everybody wants that who doesn't want that at this point um but i think there are different visions of how to get there Right. Um, and, and I think that makes it hard because just as you said, 
you could argue that Dan Gilbert's right in some of the things that he's he can say behind the scenes. And you can also argue that LeBron is right in some of the things that he would say in private. So you have both guys who have a claim to being right in their view of, of the Cavs overall. And it's like, <laughs> Kobe Altman's kind of in the middle saying, what am I supposed to do with this roster then? You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, it's... I don't know. It's it's a really, really tough spot. I think there's also part of me, Joe, that says, look, the team was bound to get to a roadblock at some point because of how much money they have paid to some of these guys, the contracts that they gave to them, and just the price of being a championship contender consistently. I mean, Miami got to a roadblock where they just couldn't do other things with the roster. I think Golden State might get to a roadblock, too, in 2019 when Clay Thompson becomes a free agent. Like, if you're going to consistently compete for championships, I think eventually you're just going to get to a spot with your salary and your luxury tax where you throw your hands up and it's like, we've hit our ceiling. Yeah, I mean, that's, yeah, that, that, certain, that is certainly the case. Uh, that, that's certainly a valid point. And, you know, they, they felt like they had to keep their team together. Yeah. Um, after winning the, the winning it in 16. Right. So there's your, there's your um, JR contract. Um you know, after they reached the finals, they they wanted to keep um, their team together. So Schumpert got his four year deal, mm-hmm. and and Tristan got that deal. Um, so yeah, and then you know, the, one of the most critical components, one of the biggest players, you know, comes to you and says, "You have to trade me, right? Um, or I won't play for you this year." Like so, yeah, like this 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 was bound to happen. But you're LeBron James. You know you're the best player in the game. Mm-hmm. Um, you know that you're getting older, and you see these teams throughout the league making moves, um, major players being traded. Like for instance, fair. Um, for instance, like one of the one of the players' contracts that they're trying to move now is Tristan, right? Right. Um, the Cavs could have had Carmelo for Tristan. Yeah, they 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 could have had him. The Knicks the Knicks were offering that, um, and the Cavs said no. Well, I mean, how would Carmelo look here now? Pretty good. Um, LeBron would be happy. Dwayne would be here too. They, I mean, they'd be happier. Like, it'd be great. Like, especially, especially considering you're trying to move off Tristan now. Mm-hmm. You you could have had Carmelo Anthony, and they didn't do it. Yeah. And that is that is LeBron's point: is that all these teams are were loading up to to, uh, to make a run at the Warriors, and and yeah, the Cavs weren't in the greatest spot to do it. Um, because of all these past decisions, but LeBron doesn't care about that. He wants to see he wants to see proactive action, mm. and it just you know in part because of bad luck with the Paul George Indiana stuff, in part because of some mistakes that Dan has made in terms of not bringing Griff back, um, and in part because of the roster, it just it, it, it just didn't happen. Before we wrap this up with a bunch of questions and fake trades that people have sent in, because we know yeah. how much you love those, is there an argument to be made that that Cavaliers are still the best team for LeBron beyond this year? Well, so th- that's actually a discussion that we've been having um, here uh, in Orlando mm-hmm. um, all morning, just with, you know, just obviously uh, behind the scenes. Sure. Yeah, that is a discussion. Um, that that's something to consider, and, and you wonder 
with some of the stuff that's gone on over the last week with the, the nonsensical LeBron to the Warriors thing, like, you, you wonder about LeBron looking at the landscape or LeBron's people, because he, you know, LeBron claims to not think about this now, mm-hmm. looking at the landscape and realizing that there isn't really a great place for LeBron to go I agree. next year. I agree. Boy, <laughs> that I think that's real, Chris. I think that's a component of this. Hmm. Um, that, like, if if LeBron wants to leave, he will. Right. Um, like, if if he if he wants to leave, if he decides that he can't he can't play for Dan anymore, he'll leave. He'll go to he'll go somewhere. That team will be a, a, an immediate championship contender. But like, the fit for him isn't great. Like, you know, he he doesn't. The Lakers aren't going to be good enough, um, I don't think, for him right now. And they, you know, appear to be gearing up for 19 now instead of 18. Mm-hmm. And, like, does he really want to go to live in Philadelphia? Um, I don't know. You know, are the Rockets, I mean, I guess the Rockets would tear up some of their team to get him. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't know. Like, it's it's hard. Like, like does, he, does LeBron at this stage of his career, like, really want to go play for a coach who would demand things from him mm-hmm. um, and di- dictate things from him that he, he wouldn't stand for, like Pop. Yeah. I don't know, you know? So it's like, his best, like, here is where he has the most, you know, here is where, like, he's got to stall the, the, the trappings and comforts that, that, that he wants. But we'll see. I mean, if, if, <laughs> if the roster is just no good, and they don't do anything to fix it. I don't know. I, I yeah, mean, I, I don't know uh, how much that weighs in. But yeah, there, there is a question about like you know where is LeBron? Where where? Okay, fine. He's going to leave. Where is he going to go? Yep. Going back to Pop though, what you said about him. My theory is, um, I feel like LeBron is very very aware of his legacy, um, and and he's very protective of it. I think one of the perceptions about him, whether it's right or wrong, is that he can't really be coached the way that other superstar players will allow themselves to be coached. And some people, not saying I'm using this, but some people have used the term, quote-unquote, coach killer. So if he's trying to boost his legacy, um, wouldn't going to San Antonio and showing and proving that he can be coached by a guy like Pop in an NBA setting, wouldn't that help his legacy and maybe change the perception of that, quote-unquote, coach killer thing? Sure. Yeah, it, it really could. And I mean, being away, from, I mean, I don't know, maybe, I mean, <laughs> I, I don't know if like the last four years, like just some of the drama that we've lived with um, is is because of like LeBron's intense feelings about Dan. Yeah. Um, like, I don't know how much of it is that. That's a good so, point. You, know, you, take, you take LeBron out of that situation, maybe he does just decide to you know, to go, to go with the flow, um, <laughs> right. so, so to speak. I mean, there's, you know, LeBron had to put up with David Blatt for two years. I mean, that would drive any superstar insane. So, you know, that, that would be the case. So, yeah, so maybe LeBron would do that. And, um, boy, that would make the Spurs a really tough out yep. um, to have him and Kawhi and, and uh, you know, the young guys that they have. So yep. maybe that's the answer right there. 
Uh, Roll Tribe tweets at us. He says, would you give up the Brooklyn pick for Aaron Gordon of the Orlando Magic? Stop it. So that's a no? No. It seems like he's become the hot name that people are attaching the Brooklyn pick to. All right, here we go. Fake trade. This is a four-team trade. Oh, this is awesome. The Cavs get all the good players in this trade. Here we go. Oh, good. Yeah, the Cavs get Marc Gasol, Kent Bazemore, Lou Williams, Tyreek Evans. The Hawks get DeAndre Jordan, who's going to be a free agent at the end of this year. The Memphis Grizzlies get Tristan Thompson, Amon Shumpert. The Clippers get J.R. Smith, Jay Crowder, Jetty Osmond, Derek Rose, and Tyler Dorsey. <laughs> And somebody gets the Brooklyn pick in this mix, I would think. What do you think about that one, buddy? If we, if this were live, like if we were on your radio show instead of a podcast, like I would demand that we stop and stand there and wait for this person to call in and and like legitimately defend them, like why they took however many minutes it took to type that up. Oh, that's awesome! Um, you know, like come on. Uh, all right, here's another fake one. This one might be a little bit more realistic. What about the Brooklyn first-round pick for DeAndre Jordan and Lou Williams? The Cavs obviously would have to send some salary back to the Clippers in return. Right. I, I mean, I don't think they would do it. Um, I agree. I just because that's just those are two <laughs> two expiring contracts, probably. Yeah, and and plus for for the Clippers from their standpoint, like if the goal is to again move money. If you're going to try and make the salaries match of DeAndre Jordan and Lou Williams, I mean, you've got to find $30 million somewhere. And you're either giving them back Tristan Thompson, who they probably don't want, even though they've got a member of the Cavs front office there, they probably don't want him. And J.R. Smith, they probably don't want either, right? I can't imagine that. Right. Um, I think if they, if, like, this deal, if if the Clippers wanted Tristan, I think, I think... They would have done DeAndre Tristan and the Cavs pick. I think they would have. Mm. You know. Yeah. No, I think that's interesting. Um, the other thing that I want to point out, from what I've heard, have you heard the same that Avery Bradley cannot be included in a deal with another player from the Clippers? Yes. Yeah, that's correct. Right. So if if they trade for him, it's got to be a one for one, right? That's correct. Man, that's tough. I was trying to find like. I don't know. Would they say yes to Amon Shumpert and a first-round pick for Avery Bradley? Um, I was just trying to think out loud. Oof. Boy, um, it just depends on what kind of value they put on that pick. Yeah, I mean it's not it's not a flat no if if they really value the pick. Somebody is tweeting saying, "What is the percentage chance that the Cavs use the Brooklyn pick at the deadline?" Oh, this is interesting. I mean. I don't know, 60, 65, 70, like, it's high. That the Cavs yeah, would use the Brooklyn pick? That the, yeah, that the Cavs make the Brooklyn pick. No, 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 right. that they would use it in the trade at the deadline. Oh, 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 I'm sorry. Then, yeah, the, the exact opposite. Okay. It's low. So, yeah. like, 30, 35 percent? Yeah. I was going to say something around 25 percent. Okay. Um, and then somebody wants to know your most likely player that's going to be on the Cavs uh, on Thursday, the new player, and the most likely to be subtracted. Hmm. I think all things considered, 
um, right now the most tradable player they have is probably Dan Crowder. I agree, yeah. I, I think he's the most tradable. Um, the player that they get back for him, I honestly don't know. Like, I don't, I, I don't know because, like, all these names that we've spent this whole time talking about, yeah. like, n- none of them are exactly like, like, none of them are like him for Crowder. You know what I mean? Right. So if if Crowder is the one most, if the, if the, if Crowder is their most tradable asset, what are they looking to get in return? I, I don't. I honestly don't know. I don't. I don't know. Cole would know the answer to that. I'm going to throw just a name, a random name, just because I'm trying to think of like, okay, what salary would match that sort of thing? Because I'm on board with you. I think Crowder is the most tradable piece. Um, I think teams around the NBA want Channing Fry because Channing's got an expiring contract and that's valuable to a lot of teams. Um, but I think the trade that the Cavs end up making is Jay Crowder and a first-round pick. That's that's my best guess. Yeah. Um, and I'm just trying to think out loud in terms of like salary that matches that. I'm just going to throw a name. Um, I don't know. I mean, I think I think a guy like Tyreek Evans, like even though he doesn't fit their need for that quote unquote defensive stopper, I think like that kind of guy based on his salary would make the most sense from the Cavs standpoint. Yeah, I mean, they could yeah. even do they could even do first round pick trade exception get. Tyreek Evans to fit among that. Now they're taking on what twelve million extra dollars based on luxury tax, and that's pretty risky for them. But 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 I I don't know. I'll just toss him out as the most likely. Yeah, I mean that that could be that 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 could be that that would that would work. But it, but you know you already have too many guards, um, right? And and like I give you that they're not they're not playing well, um, most of them, but. So, so if you do that one, you you've got to move somebody else. Yeah, I mean, there's part of me that would say George Hill is most likely, um, but he makes twenty million dollars. Yeah, and if right, and if that goes back to the discussion and and the piece I wrote and everything about luxury tax and what LeBron's going to do, and yeah, um, you know, George Hill makes a ridiculous salary for a team that's going to rebuild. Yep. Um, so the Cavs don't want that. All right, buddy. Good stuff. Enjoyed it, man. The trade deadline should be really interesting on Thursday. We'll have it covered here on Cleveland.com. All right, brother.